0: Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments. Now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Today's podcast is going to take the format of an interview um, that we're doing with the CEO and founder of Flow, um, Nadeem Sawa. Nadeem, thank you very much for being on the podcast
1: today thanks very much uh jonathan for the uh the opportunity to have a chat today um really looking forward to it. so a the,
0: the very interesting company you you founded back in 2015 uh nadim and I, I think this is one especially with the, the backdrop of covid um is going to be one that's probably going to be uh, seeing some significant growth going forward but the, the reason that you're you're speaking with us today is your crowdfunding on crowdcube as we speak um very well done on already surpassing your target of uh, one point six five million um so and I believe you're now in overfunding That's right. um but Nadim, let's before we get into the the company, uh, could you tell a little bit of background about yourself? I believe you, uh, you your your career was in commercial banking, so quite a change there in into Flow. Um, so, give you a little bit of background there about what what sort of drove that uh, that
1: change? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm very happy to do so because it's yeah. been a different journey to get from commercial banking to running a. A tech pharma company, so um quick background of me um i I grew up in the north of Scotland mum and dad were, were were shopkeepers um just retired um uh, I went to, to glasgow university and um I then joined um uh, the banks after I graduated, which seemed like a good career choice. Um, before the, the financial crash. Um, so I joined the RBS, which is now NatWest. Um, and then I went and joined HSBC. And I had a good career in commercial banking. And I, I learned a lot about business, working with some some top entrepreneurs a- along the way, helping them with their own journeys. Um, I was about 32 at the time. It was 2014. I was very, very bored of banking at that point And I had an opportunity to join something called the um the Saltire Fellowship, which was run by an organization called Entrepreneurial Scotland. Um, so they whisk you away to the United States and they, and they give you like a fast track MBA course. So I ended up going out to Babson College near Boston in the United States, which is a really fantastic experience and actually where I met, you know, Adam Hunter, who works with me at, at Flow, who's our chief commercial officer. Um, While I was out there, uh, I was quite fascinated by some of the digital health startups that I was coming across. Um, And the simple reason for that is I'm a diabetic um, and I understand how difficult it is to go and get medicine and actually to be kind of psychologically involved in the whole medication process. So I was quite fascinated by some of these startups. One of them was PillPack, which was acquired by Amazon in the U.S. um, last year. And they had three things in common, which are in common with my own company, Flow, which they all focused on, on really, really great software engineering. So they were kind of disrupting quite a, a stale industry in pharmacy with, with great kind of engineering and technology. They all used great design. So it was all about beautiful kind of technology products that were easy to use. So taking that kind of mentality, I suppose the Apple mentality, um and and fundamentally the last point where it was a bit great customer experience because again like my own company flow we're we're an an insurgent against very very large competitors so you have to kind of have that superior customer service element to kind of make it all work fantastic so just could you be able to
0: Give us a, a very brief elevator pitch, as, as such, a few sentences about what what flows. We obviously touched on their technology and its yeah. operating in in the medical field, but uh, you know, in in a summary, what does Flow do?
1: FLOW is a digital on demand pharmacy which allows you to order and manage your repeat or acute prescriptions as one off prescriptions anywhere and anytime you want them. So, a good example is I would probably describe us, and I hate this example, as, as like the delivery of a pharmacy. So, we control three elements we control all the technology, so front facing applications and the back end operating system that runs our pharmacies. We own every pharmacy that we operate. So I can talk a little bit more about that later. And then we control our logistics. So effectively, if, if a patient order uh, orders through Flow, their, their prescription, we typically can deliver their prescription dispensed um, within a couple of hours. Okay, fantastic. So as you
0: mentioned there, we're going to get into the business model more detail uh, mm-hmm. a bit later on. But b- before we do that, just for some context for, for listeners, what what does the size of this market look like in, in in the uk and um you know what's driving the demand for, for flow service
1: okay so it's it's pretty simple right at the moment there's about 36 million people patients in england and this is not the uk we're talking about england only because the, the devolved markets have separate markets that have a, a prescription requirement now, clearly, um, you know, the average in the, the 30 to 40 age group is, you know, the, there's about one one prescription per month required. But um, as, as as patients get older, that increases pretty significantly. Um, so the, the market opportunity is, is huge in terms of the actual overall prescription market. And that's a mixture of the big boys, the big chains. Um, and the independents. And all of them have been very slow at at digital disruption. So that's one part of of that. The second part is penetration of online services. So online has been really, really slow to take off in terms of the prescription side, the NHS prescription side, um, and actually uh, penetration of online services is standing about one and a half percent. So our view very much at, at Flow is that the next 5 million patients are going to go online in the next kind of two years. And that's been driven very much by the COVID effect. And there's probably been a a psychological element to to online pharmacy not taking off in the UK as well. And that was based on our research when we we kind of launched Flow, uh, was why was the lack of take-up? And actually, it turned out to be a really simple reason. Patients were uncomfortable and had anxiety about getting medication through the post. What they did like, though, is they liked the traditional pharmacy mail order, um, the, not the mail order service, but the pharmacy delivery services, where you'd have a man in a van physically coming out and delivering it to you. And they really, really liked that because actually they had that physical handover of medication. So it wasn't like relying on the post or the or the Royal Mail. Um, what we've done with Flo is we've just taken that really really good model that already worked, but wrapped it in a beautiful layer of technology that makes it incredibly slick all the way through, um, and actually made the actual delivery options significantly easier. So again, if you're sitting in your house, um, and you want to have it delivered there, then no problem. If you need to go to your mum and dad's house, and we're talking about a we're talking a post-COVID world, but um, you can have it delivered there. If you're in the office, you can have it delivered there. Um, and we can do that from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. You can also pick a delivery slot if you want to do it that way, or you can have it on demand if you don't want to do it that way. Um, Or even better, we'll soon be able to do that 24 hours a day. So it's about giving that convenience factor to what is a very old-fashioned part of pharmacy, in effect. Indeed, lovely. So I'm just sort of looking here. Um,
0: at, at the CrowdCube uh, page as we speak here, I'm, I'm particularly interested about the, the business model, Nadim, and how you fit in to the existing infrastructure of the NHS and and the private healthcare market, yeah. and what your and what your revenue generation model looks like uh, within those two parties.
1: Yeah, sure, I can explain that. So the way we make money, we make money like any other. Um, this is on the NHS side of the business. We make money like any other NHS contracted pharmacy. So uh, in effect, um, as I mentioned, we have a three box model here. We control all the tech, we control all the the pharmacy element and we control the logistics. The pharmacy bit in the middle is where we create the, the pounds of revenue. So we get paid by the NHS and for an NHS prescription um, for every prescription we dispense and actually the prescription charge that we collect on behalf of the NHS is just a contribution charge and um, I think a lot of people don't understand that when they pick up a prescription from the chemist actually that prescription could be worth hundreds and hundreds of pounds but if they're having to pay a prescription charge all it is is a, a flat charge a kind of contribution that we collect on behalf of the NHS so we, we make money that way um, and You know, And at the moment, we are not charging for our delivery um, on demand or mail order, but I think we will end up charging quite a small delivery charge, like a food-style delivery charge for on-demand delivery because of the convenience. But at the moment, we're quite happy to try and build the customer base. In terms of the private side, Flow actually operates uh, an infrastructure business called FlowRx. So if you think about what Flow is, Flow effectively is an infrastructure business in the sense that we built a technology platform, a pharmacy platform, and we've built the uh, logistics platform to get medication really quickly to a patient. We figured out that that technology platform was running the Flow brand, which is our own brand. But wouldn't it be a great opportunity to allow other healthcare providers using um, APIs access to our infrastructure as if it was their own? so that's actually been really successful it's a big part of our business now um, and actually we do all of babylon health so babylon the unicorn business that does telemedicine here in the uk we do all of their pharmacy delivery so they plug into flows systems and treat flow systems as if it, it was their own and um, allowing their patients to have full visibility on their prescription experience and for babylon to control it as if it was their own so that FlowRx model is is going really, really well. And we think there's a massive opportunity for other healthcare providers to piggyback on top of our of our infrastructure. The other part of this is that um, there's a lot of startups out there which are really innovative, but the barrier to entry for them is they don't want to do the pharmacy a bit, but they need to do it. And that's a barrier to entry. So we've become the, the, the pharmacy of choice for startups. Um, so there's a lot of young companies that are doing very interesting things in the digital health space, and you know, and, and the wider space where they come to flow now for access to our API and, resultantly, the pharmacy services that we can offer. Fantastic. So you have touched
0: on there on on what could be considered competitors, and that's something that I'd like to know a little bit more about. But it sounds like with your technology platform, Nadim, that that your competitors. Could in in some respect also become your your clients? Is, is that the case?
1: Yeah, I I I would think the the way I look at the future of pharmacy is really simple. Um, we have too many community pharmacies on the high street as it stands, according to government policy. So that that's not me saying that. That's government policy saying that. So I think the the direction of travel is COVID or not no COVID is that we'll probably end up with a much slimmer pharmacy network. And I, when I say slimmer, it's about reducing pharmacy clusters. So there's no point having six pharmacies in the same high street. What you want is nice kind of unilateral coverage, which covers all the areas that need to be covered. And um, the infrastructure model that we're building with FlowRx, um, my view is that what we're actually really doing with Flow, as we scale the business, we're scaling on a city by city basis. So effectively, in every city that we're in, so we're currently in London, so we have a Flow Pharmacy in London, which is a highly automated pharmacy. We'll be doing the same in Birmingham and we'll be doing the same in every city that we are in. Um, That infrastructure then, the technology platform, kind of overlays and runs on top of that pharmacy network. Um, Allowing other high street community pharmacies access to that um, will be important in the future because I believe the the, the future of bricks and mortar pharmacies are that they will be doing services and taking pressure off the GP network in the future. Now, we're talking 2030. That's what I believe the world is going to look like. So I think there is an opportunity for us to serve the entire pharmacy network with our pharmacy hubs. So again, if you think about it, what we're building is a technology platform, pharmacy hubs in every city that we're in, and then uh, really on fast on-demand technology and delivery to kind of make it all work.
0: Lovely. So, I mean, the question that I would have is traditional pharmacies can act as a, a sort of triage center to some extent for, for GPs. If you've got something very minor, you might go into your, your, your pharmacy, ask you some advice on what medicines you should be, uh, be, be, be taking. Um, how, how would flow sort of fit into that sort of scenario? And, and what would sort of maintain uh, a standard of care
1: with, with people using flow? Okay, so telemedicine is nothing new. Flow is a telemedicine provider as well in the sense that we are trying to provide the best of digital healthcare um, with a really, really convenient, fast uh, delivery option and technology underpinning that, okay? Um, We build relationships with all our patients. They know us, we know them, and that's a long-term relationship because ultimately we have a nice repeating revenue stream from that patient for a long time. I mean on a repeat prescription we should have that nice repeating revenue stream month after month after month um so we have that relationship piece that's really important however going back to the point if something's physical and needs to be looked at then actually that's where you still need to have a physical network so we're not going we're not saying that we're there to replace the community pharmacy network that we're there to work alongside them and um, like i said i think the community pharmacy network are really overworked at the moment i mean effectively they are dispensing factories and i think the future for for community pharmacy is exactly what you suggested triage that takes the the pressure off um of the gp network as you think about covid and vaccinations uh the pharmacy network will have a massive impact on getting those vaccinations out as well i think so i think for us it's about we kind of interject we kind of link into telemedicine and we kind of link into you know what the the patient is now wanting in in the 21st century but you know ultimately we work alongside bricks and mortar pharmacies as well
0: okay so i mean i've got a very good understanding of of the the sort of demand there um like yourself i've got a very close relative who's diabetic i understand that the uh the need for sort of ongoing um medicine delivering getting getting hold of that um but what does your sort of growth plans look like in, in terms of sort of where you are now? Yeah. Um, what, what uh, you know, where you see yourself in sort of five years, 10 years? Um, and, and what are the steps that you're going to be taking to get yourself there?
1: Sure. So this ties into the plan. Um, for us, we, we only launched at the start of, of, of 2020. And, you know, circumstances being circumstances, we've probably grown quicker than I expected. In our first year of trading, um, we should be hitting about 150 grand a month of revenue by you know um, by December, which is not bad for our first year of trading. Um, and we should be hitting 250, and then I think half a million pound a month. So 250 a grand a month by uh, March, and we should be hitting about half a million pound a month in revenue by this time next year uh, per month. Um, I think the critical thing about flow is our growth rate is exceptionally high. So we have an internal growth rate that we stick at 40% month on month, that's the target. And we always try and hit that and we apply enough uh, marketing spend to get to that point. So the business is gonna grow really quickly, you know, continue. And then based on the market opportunity, we have a, an opportunity to take quite a significant slice of that UK wide pharmacy market as it kind of digitizes. So for us, um, the the raise in CrowdCube really is a kind of bridging raise at this moment in time, um, which has been, uh, and I think uh, it'll, you know, I think we should get to a reasonable amount of money which allows us to hit our targets in about twelve months' time. I think the opportunity then is to to fulfil a, a large Series A round um, from either an institutional investor in in the health tech field or, or a venture capital fund. Um, and we can have accelerator growth and that means getting to more cities and launching in more cities. That means expanding our mail order business. That means expanding our Flow FlowRx partnerships. Um, and I think very much the plan over the five years is to be in every major city here in the UK. The cities that we don't want to cover are the towns we don't want to cover. We'll link in with traditional community pharmacies. Um, we haven't done that so far because we're quite obsessed with customer experience. And controlling everything ourselves, but I think there'll be certain ec- locations where it makes no economic sense for us to do that. And I, I would say the five-year plan is that we will hit a million patients um, over over you know uh, over the course that are using our services on a repeating basis, um, which turns it into a, a very nice model. And I think based on the based on the kind of market opportunity out there, I think that is an achievable thing to do. Now uh, we have some. Pretty significant competitors with deep pockets, but then we're growing really quickly as a business, and I think we're we have better technology, and we have better design, and we have better service. So I think we can compete, but we will need capital to do that. Hence our kind of um, fundraising plans at this moment and stage.
0: I, I do want to move more on to the fundraising, but just before I do that, for as a way of comparison, you you mentioned there a target of a million. Um, customers what would that look like in terms of a comparison with some of your major competitors at the moment do you have any sort of uh, information on, on how many customers they they would have at, the, at this point
1: I, I, I don't um but at this moment in time it, that would still be a significantly smaller business than the likes of of of, of the nationals here so uh, about a million patients is a, is, is a large, large pharmacy business, but it's still significantly smaller than a lot of the, of, of the national competitors. Um, but I think, you know, perhaps we could grow a lot quicker than that. Perhaps we can grow a lot slower than that. But that's the aspirational target. Um, and, you know, typically a patient for us is making us about £50 pounds a month in revenue. So if you if you do the calculation, a million patients, a, a, and and typically averaging fifty pound a month in revenue, you can do your own mathematics and that in that, and in terms of where you get to, in terms of um, in terms of annual revenue. Indeed. So so when you do reach that that
0: target, there will still be plenty of room to to, to grow within the market. And take yeah, the
1: share. And, and there's opportunities as well. You almost need to think about this is where, um, I would almost con- con- compare this to. F- things like food delivery or, uh, you know, and and other countries, right? So what you've seen is you've got guys like Delivery Hero, who built a a great business in Germany initially, and then scaled Europe, and have then bought a number of competitors across the globe. Um, Flow is is quite unique. uh, flow is, is pretty unique here in the UK. We're the, the UK's first on-demand pharmacy, right? I expect us competitors to happen, That that's not an issue. Um, but I, I also see a number of competitors like us globally popping up. Um, so I think there's the opportunity to consolidate that market. And, and I really do think that bricks and mortar and mortar pharmacies have the same problems as retail now. They're lumbered with a legacy Um, operating model, which if you were to start from scratch, you would never start the model as that today. Um, So I think there's a massive opportunity to grow. um, And also I think COVID and everything else has just accelerated the kind of long-term effects of where we were going anyway. Fantastic. So let's move
0: now on to to the crowdfunding round in more detail. So so first of all, we do speak to a lot of companies that, that are raising um funds through CrowdCube and, and Cedars. Um but you but yours is, is one that's um I don't say it's too unusual, but it is not the, the route that most companies go down. And and you're doing a convertible round as opposed to straight up equity. What was the
1: thinking behind that? Sure. So there's a couple of reasons for that. Um number one, I think it's really hard to apply a valuation to our business at this moment in time. I think um, based on where the numbers were, the business is growing so quickly that I think it would have been an argument with any potential investor to to, uh, attribute that valuation. So you're almost kicking the can down the road. Um, So our convertible loan note is giving a discount on the next round of funding, a 20% discount and an 8% uh, interest rate rolling up on that investment until it converts into shares. Now, the downside to convertible is it is not EIS compatible, which I get is a difficult one for a lot of retail investors. So that's point one. Point two was that we did take part in the future fund. Um, So the future fund structure was a convertible loan note. So we've used this, and actually we did that earlier. Um, In the cycle and then we decided that we wanted to raise more funds to help us get to that series a a little bit later in the cycle for us so the, the the future fund is future funds terms were to use a convertible loan note and we've used the same structure as as they suggested.
0: Okay, fantastic. So, I mean, investors looking at flow as a potential opportunity would be keen to know specifically what the funds would be spent to. Do you you sort of have an outline of of the allocation of funds and where uh, where they're going?
1: Yeah, sure. So what we're doing with the money at flow is we are still at the cash burn stage. So we have a a reasonably sized engineering team that's still building products and technology and services. So, um, yes, our revenue is scaling up really, really quickly. Um, And I I think if we were to exclude marketing spend out, we'd actually break even at the end of year two. Um, But what we really want to do with the funds at this moment in time is to expand. So we have this really, really uh, large market opportunity in London where we started out doing on-demand delivery. Um, We haven't scratched the surface. um, And uh, I think there's the opportunity to do that Across the UK, so the funds will really be used for the scale up plan, um, which is Birmingham and Manchester next.
0: Okay, I'm um, finally just to just to finish things off, uh, Nadim. Of course, you know investors in a straight up equity rounds would be asking lots of questions with with uh, about a, an, an exit. Um, but what would that look like? Because obviously it's slightly different here with the convertible and there's certain discounts on further rounds, but. What, what's your sort of longer term exit strategy for, for investors in this round and indeed in uh, in future rounds?
1: Okay, so the, the 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 chat is here that the convertible loan note will convert into equity at that next funding round, but with a discount. So, that you know, the convertible loan note is going to turn into straight up equity in the next investment round that we have. Um, I think critically, the the main thing for us going forward is the exit plan here is that we want to build a significant and large business. Um, And actually, um, we have a five-year plan to do that. I fully expect trade buyers to try and attempt to buy us now. We've already had some trade buyers knocking on our door asking if we're for sale. We're not at this stage. We haven't built any value yet. But I think for us it's a five-year plan and I fully expect one of the larger pharma companies be it at the drug manufacturing side or the retail pharmacy businesses to come and make an offer over that five-year period and actually fundamentally if we had the opportunity I think it'd be great to list this business I think there's too many young companies that sell to larger competitors and actually I think I'd love for flow to buy competitors I'd love for flow to kind of consolidate its opportunity in the on-demand pharmacy space which is very new but which i think is where the future the world is going um and i think you know if i had the opportunity that a listing of the business would be where we'd want to take it in five years from now
0: that's great N- nadim thank you very much for joining us on, on the podcast today and uh, and all the best with, with the rest of the the crowdfunding rounds
1: Okay, great. Thank you very much. It was really, really good to talk to you today, Jonathan. And um, uh, we'll speak soon.
0: Yes, indeed. I think it's a very interesting story, and, and we'll be sure to provide some updates to, to listeners as we as we go forward. So, just as a note for for everybody that's listening, we're going to have links in the notes to this podcast, which will take you through to the CrowdCube page. And if you're subscribed to UK Investor Magazine newsletters, there will be a series of, of newsletters. And containing more information about the uh, the crowdfunding rounds coming out in the uh, in the next week or so. So once once again, Nadine, thank you much for being here today.
1: No, thanks again, Jonathan. I just I just add if if any potential investors would like to get in touch with me and talk to me personally, I'm very happy to do that. I'm always happy to give some time to kind of talk through the plans because it's quite a complex model and quite a complex kind of. Um, part of, of of healthcare which we work in so i get really it could need a bit more explanation so thanks again i really appreciate the chance to talk today
0: no lovely Nadine. so ju- just to note, if you would like to get in touch uh, with nadine the, the first of call would be the uh, the crowdfunding page um where you'll be able to uh, to find contact details and such there Great. um so nadine thank
1: you very much no worries take care have a nice day see you soon thank you bye-bye bye-bye